the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Saved from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, one day soon, the presence of sin. That's what Rescued is all about, as we'll see today here on Truth For Today. Rescued, we have been saved, redeemed, set apart, and it took the death of Christ to do it. There's a lot that goes into our salvation, our rescue. We've seen over the past couple of weeks that we've been saved from the penalty of sin. It no longer applies, but there's something else that doesn't apply, and that is the shackles to that sin. We've been set free, liberated. We are now bondservants of Christ, giving us the freedom to avoid sin. That's what we're looking at today. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's edition of Truth For Today. Slavery to sin has ended for the rescue. We looked at this last week. We're going to pick up another section. I introduced it by Romans 6, and today we'll pick up Romans 8. But let me, uh, before we read the text, let's do a little review. Uh, Let's go back to Romans 6. And... For 10 verses, God keeps telling them, Don't you know that since the Spirit has immersed you into union with Christ, you have died with Him, you've been buried with Him, you've risen with Him. This is a fact. This is a fact in divine reckoning. Now, He tells us, Reckon this to be true. If God said it's true, you count on it. Verse 11. You count it to be true. And then he said, if you're counting it true, you will be acting alive to God the Father and dead, unavailable to sin. Then he goes and he gives us this choice. As you used to present your members to sin, your body to sin, stop that. I want you to start offering your body to do righteousness and God's will like you used to do sin. I just want you to switch the master of your life. From sin, I want you to go to the master of righteousness unto God. Well, he says something in verse 14, uh, very interesting. For sin shall have no dominion over you. Since you are not under law, but under grace. What in the world is that? What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. And I think primarily he's talking about the law of Moses. uh, Talking about the Old Testament and all those laws. But I think it comes to stand for any rule kind of Christianity that I'm under a bunch of rules, a bunch of obligations. 
He didn't save me for rules. He didn't save me for law. Now he goes in chapter 7 and he says, let me describe to you what life under the law was like. And he starts telling you the law was good, was perfect uh, and great. But he said, because I have sin dwelling in me, it was not a good relationship. Sinners don't do good under law. Sinners don't. Because you see, law carries with it penalty. It's not just good advice. God said, if you read the law of Moses and the 613 commandments, a lot of them meant your death the very day you broke it. Give you an example. Numbers 15, a boy started uh, picking up sticks on the Sabbath day to build a fire, and God told the men of Israel, Kill him. He broke the Sabbath rule. Gavin Newsom wasn't empowered then. <laughs> Kill him. Many things. Kill him. We'd call it all barbaric. You say that to God. When God makes the rule, he can enforce it. And he didn't have any, you know. And so that's a brutal illustration. That's how strict law was. And he says, we're not under law. But whether you are a Christian, and I primarily take Romans 7 as an illustration of those who were not Christian, but what it was like to be a devout Jew trying to live under the law. And, and listen to what he says in verse 14. He said, uh, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly or carnal, sold under sin. I, I'm just being sold out, sold out. It's wonderful, the law, but it's making a wreck out of me because I cannot perform it. Then he goes down, verse 24 Wretched man that I am. Wow. Is this the Christian life? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The deliverance I need will come not through the law, but through Jesus Christ. Now, we begin chapter 8 with that setup. The law cannot control the flesh. The law cannot produce justification or sanctification. It just proves you are a failure. Failure, failure, failure. Listen to what he starts, 8.1. There is therefore, wait, he says, move from being a wretched man, a carnal man, defeated man. He's going from, but you've been united to Christ. In Romans 6, now let me tell you, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Five things I want to share with you about what the life under grace is to look like. If we're not under law, but under grace, what does that mean? First thing, the grace life is free from penalty. It's free from penalty. And the word here for condemnation was a word used for sending men to hell. 
It's free from the threat of the law. It's free from the threat of damnation for failure. There is no condemnation. The word condemnation is a word is made up of two words. Crino, to decide. But kata, a little preposition, to decide against. And he says, in Christ, there is nothing from heaven that will ever be decided against you. Why? Because it's already been counted against Christ. And he has borne everything God had against you. God put it on him. So he doesn't have to put it on you. Did he save you to be condemned? Did he save you to put you under the gavel again? You make a misstep. Boom. We'll eliminate you. We'll judge you severely. No. The question we had a Q&A, and we'll do it again today here after the uh, message. The, the question comes up, well, what about, are there any commands to obey? Christ gave a new commandment. There's about 150 things he commands us to do in the New Testament. Oh, does that mean I just flippantly throw them off? No, you remember in regeneration, in the new birth, he said that he would inscribe his law on our heart, that he'd give us a new nature that desires to do right. It becomes our nature to want to please God. It becomes our, we never had it before. It becomes the bent. We may fail, but we have a bent for righteousness. We have a bent to please. We've been given a divine birth from above. And the commands are not burdensome because God has made them. We've come to love this one that commands. And it's moved out of the courtroom and it's moved into the family room. Failure now is a family matter. And I don't condemn my kids. I may chasten them, but I'm not going to be, I'm going to give you back. There ain't no place to give them back in my house. (laughs) They got to start with us. And we're glad to have our guest celebrity, Deborah, here today. Welcome, Deborah. Uh, There's nobody to give them back to. No, they're yours. Right or wrong, they're yours. It's an old Bob Wills song. Is it right or wrong? I will still love you. Great Texas swing song. You don't know a thing I'm talking about, do you? (laughs) But Ron does. Uh, But the grace life You know, I ask you this. Is your Christian life wretched or blessed? Blessed. Is the Christian life uh, defeat or enjoyment? Enjoyment. You know, it's hard to give away what's making you miserable. You know, uh, can we fill this place? Can you get anybody to come to a church that you are miserable at? You know, it's hard to suppress joy. Right. Yeah. You, don't you want someone, you know, if I get a, a, a new album or anything, especially guitar music, I want my buddies or whoever I know that likes it, listen to that. You get it? Oh, yes. You would say, what's the noise? 
What's the noise? You just had a genius play a song, and you call it noise. Duh, something wrong with right up here. You don't get it. And you mean Christianity? Is it the best thing in your life? Are you going around condemned? Are you going around this legal burden? Somebody's after me. I think God's after me. God's not after you. I thought he had you. And if he's got you, he's got you in his son. And in his son, there's no condemnation. And that's what he said. No condemnation. That's the first part of the grace life. The second thing is, there's a new person on board. The Holy Spirit. Listen to verses 3, or verse 2 through 4. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And that is that indwelling sin. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Flesh here is a metaphorical analogy. He's not talking about meat on the bones. Flesh is used nine different ways in Scripture. And here it's the sin principle within. I think, listen to me here. We we do, I think, a pretty good job saying, Jesus will deliver you from your sins. Do we not say that? In the gospel. He died for your sins. He was raised again. Great. They said, well, I believe that. I got it. But there's no help for you to overcome your sin. There's no help for you to overcome the principle in you that made you do the sins. And what Romans 6 through 8 is dealing with, let me take on the sin that's in you, even when you're saved. There's a principle in you that you must deal with daily, moment by moment. And this is the gospel for the saved and those that have to deal with the indwelling sin that wants to leap on you and destroy you. And he says, God says, let me say something. There's a new person that's been put in you, and he's more powerful than your sin principle. He's stronger. Because the flesh and the spirit will be at war, but the spirit is stronger. And you can have his help if you'll only make yourself available to him. Now that's good news for the Christian. Because, you know, being around Christians for, oh, I've been around them all my life. But as a Christian, 60 years I've been in the church, and I've met a lot of miserable Christians. Uh, I'm thinking, you're not good advertisement. What's your problem? Indigestion? uh, Personality? Uh, Where is the fruit of the Spirit? I I don't see joy. I don't see peace. I don't feel love. Uh, I see crankiness. I see a little bit of wretchedness. A little bit of maybe you're miserable about something. Uh, I I don't see uh, because 
Maybe you've not been yielding to the Spirit. And the Spirit's not been able to produce His fruit. Perhaps you've been quenching Him. Grieving Him. But He says the grace people have got a new power source. You remember what Jesus said to those men that all proved to be so overwhelmed with fear they became cowards on the night of his betrayal and this trial. And they all fled. We all make Peter the culprit because he made the boast. But they all fled. All of them. And I think I would too. You know, when I read the Gospels, the one failing in the narrative is a picture of me. Christ isn't the picture of me. I flee too. I want to get out of this thing alive. Have you ever went silent that you knew him on a job or in school? You didn't want anyone to find out you know him? When you got the Roman legions in front of you and and, and your your, uh, founder is getting ready to be crucified, uh, it'd be easy to bail out. And Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be a good way to translate the word comforter. It literally means called alongside of to help. And so it could be called the encouraging helper. Called alongside to help. Uh, He comes to encourage. And he comes to help. Now, basically he says to us, Can that spirit that raised my son from the dead, do you think he has enough power to help you overcome lust? Does he have enough power to overcome the indwelling sin that you deal with day in and day out? We're so used to our sin that we call it my humanity. I can't change. No, you can't, but you've got someone that's a change agent. And he's come in you And so the grace life is, I'm not under penalty for when I fail. I get disciplined, but I don't get penalized in the sense of divine judgment. You know, I'm going to be disowned. Two, I've got extra help. Three, I live with a new perspective. Uh, Verses 5 through 8. He said there's two kinds of people. People who set their mind on the things of the flesh... And people who set their mind on things of the Spirit. And if you set your mind on things of the flesh, you will experience death. Relational death. Relational death. Eventually physical death. Eventually spiritual separation from God. But then he said, there's a mindset that sets its mind on the things that come from the Spirit. You see that? Listen, that verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, what do they do with their minds? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Fifteen works of the flesh in Galatians. They set their mind on hate, discord, uh, sexual impurity, uh, drunkenness. All these various works of the flesh. They get their mind on them. That's where the mind goes. You could be in a room with an event that is neutral, but if you have a, a fallen mind, they can always see the dirt in it. Where a regenerate mind sees no evil because they're not looking for it. 
Do you see some folks, they always find something dirty and everything? As Titus said, to the pure, all things are pure. To the defiled, everything's dirty. You put a pretty room, a, a pretty woman in a room with a dirty man, he could turn her into being dirty. To a godly man, she's a nice looking woman and either pray for her salvation or thank God we have such beautiful sisters. But there's nothing dirty about a woman. A pastor friend of mine went to see a man in his 80s in an iron lung. And when he got through the visit, he's getting ready to go. Uh, the pastor asked him, is there anything I could be praying with you about? And he said, yeah, pastor, I'm struggling with lust. Wait, wait, you're in an iron lung. You're 80 years old. And he said, this is still active. Right there. So he said, where do you set your mind? You know what we commonly use? We use Philippians 4, 6 all the time. We say, don't be anxious about a thing. Pray. And what? God's peace will guard your hearts and mind. You know what we often forget is verse 8. Put your mind on things above. Put your mind on things that are honorable, pure, whole. And he lists things. Colossians 3.1 said, set your frame of thinking. The old King James was affections, but it's really frame of thinking. Frame Set your way of thinking on things above where Christ, who is your life, is seated. Do you ever think above the headlines, above the dirt, above the earth, do you ever set your frame of thinking on things? Do you ever get homesick for heaven? And I'm not talking on April 15th. No, no. I mean, are you homesick for heaven? Not just when your mother-in-law visits. I mean, you're homesick for heaven. Do you ever think about heaven? Set your way of thinking on things above. You see, Jesus did something radical in the Sermon on the Mount. The rabbis had it all figured out. And everything dealt with your deed. With your deed. Don't kill a man. Jesus said, I forbid you to hate a man. Wait, wait. I didn't, I didn't kill him. I just hate him. I want to choke him. Oh, Oh, oh. And Jesus said, uh, that didn't come from me. Matter of fact, that's a sin in my kingdom. Oh, I'm lusting for this woman, but we didn't do anything. Yes, you did. You had a moment to look and the rest of the time to flee. You can look, but you can't lust. You know, you know that just because you become a Christian, women don't get ugly. I mean, I know some brothers, they'd have me dress all the women in sackcloth to control their minds. Been kind of hard to do around here. No, 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 no. No, don't worry about how the women are dressing. Worry about how you're thinking. How you're thinking. Right there. And he said, we, we set our mind thinking on the fruit of the Spirit. 
thinking on the thing. That's why if you don't get in the Word and let God renew, renew your mind and scrub out the old categories of thinking, scrub out the old way of thinking about life, you're always going to be dirty. You're always going to be negative. He said, I want in this grace way of living, it's not just in how you behave, but it's in how you think. How you think, how you interpret data. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Yes.